Hey guys, Taylor here. Just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you have the time, please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, and iTunes at Dr. Script. If you want to follow us on Twitter, that would be at Dr. Script Podcast, just Dr. Script Podcast. Every little thing for us goes a long way, so we really do appreciate those likes and follows. Anyways, I won't bother you guys anymore. Enjoy today's episode, and thanks again for listening. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Dr. Script Show, where we talk about your favorite movies, what was good and what was bad, and how we can improve it. So today, we're talking about Mission Impossible 2. Mission Impossible 2? Oh, it might be too much today, but thankfully for me, I have my trusty co-host, Dr. Sam! Oh, sorry, I thought this was a Dr. Sager week. I was going to take the week uh, off. Oh, no, no. Uh, all right, that's fine. I'll, I'll help you out here. I think <laughs> I got a few things to say about Mission Impossible 2. Yes, thank God, thank God. Uh, so, uh, how, do you, how do you feel now that we've watched Mission Impossible 2? What's your, what's your feelings about it? So, this was the first time I have ever watched the second Mission Impossible movie. I've seen a lot of parodies about it, and after seeing it, I uh, totally get why people have parodied it. It was entertainingly bad, I would say. What do you think? Uh, I would agree. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Like, I've seen all the Mission Impossible movies, but kind of. Not in the order that they came out, because I was, like, two when the first one came out. Okay. But, uh, but like, pretty early on. So, like, th- this was basically, like, a first time for me. And, man, I I think I enjoyed it a lot more than you, but not, not for the script reasons, I think this movie is enjoyable for the directing reasons. Yes, I completely agree with that. That is the reason why this movie is so entertaining to watch. I mean, the script, I wouldn't even say, like, that's the reason why I didn't like it. It's just so long. Do you think you could, like, give the plot in just, like, a single one or two sentences? Is that even possible? Um, Secret agent has to save world by disease. That... Yeah, it's, uh, it's, let's see if IMDb does a good job of it, but it's like, uh, a secret agent is sent to Sydney to find and destroy a genetically modified disease called Chimera. That's, oh, okay. That's I mean, close. kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically what it is, you're just missing so many other details. I would hate to be an intern having to do a log line for this movie. Do you imagine that doing coverage and then no. being like being the person at Paramount who's just like reading each like draft of the script as it just gets crazier and crazier? It's like okay, so it's going to be a uh, you know a virus. Oh, so uh, at some point she's going to inject herself with the virus. They're going to race motorcycles into <laughs> each other. Uh, oh, okay. There's a horse race, uh, and she's a, a wonderful. She's a really good spy. Oh no, she did a huge stupid mistake. <laughs> No one is good at their jobs in this movie. And Tom Cruise must scale mountains at least twice. There's the entire beginning, well, not the entire beginning, the, the, like the whole credits are played over three minutes, three or four minutes of Tom Cruise just rock climbing. And there's just nothing, nothing's happening except just watching him rock climb and he, uh... And he has his hair glistening in the background oh, just all over. Man, like, that's wow. so, that's so, that's, you shouldn't have that long of hair if you're going to be like an agent because that's just a, a, a reckless move. Yeah, that's a little inconvenient, man, when you think about that. Yeah. Do you want to just talk, try and get through the summary with, with for this? We are going to try our best to summarize this as quickly as possible, but yes, I think, I think it's that time. We open in Australia, where a Russian scientist is building this disease inside of a lab that he injects himself with the disease and then gets on a plane. And the plane graphics are just stellar, man. Stellar. Oh, oh so God. stellar. But as he's, uh, as the plane's lifted off, like the plane's been in the air for a while, the person who's supposed to sit next to him finally sits down, which I'm surprised <laughs> didn't question that. And it's Tom Cruise! Woo, Tom Cruise! And they have a, a discussion, and he's going by this name, Dimitri. Because he, uh, the scientist has been talking to someone named Dimitri to try and make sure the uh, the disease goes where it's supposed to go. Yes, and then the plane has some turbulence problems, and he's like, oh, I don't know. Then Tom Cruise is like, it's all right, let me t- take care of this. And he tells him to put the mask on, and it turns out the pilots are in cahoots and trying to steal this whatever vile disease that the guy has in his bag. But then Tom Cruise reveals he's not Tom Cruise. 
he's the bad guy for this movie. Yes, and they get like a Scooby-Doo mask and he rips it off, revealing it's, that it's the bad guy. Which is a staple of these Mission Impossible movies that's fun, but when they try and get into the grittier, like newer ones, they, that do, really doesn't fit as well. No. My favorite part about the opening scene, too, is like when this, um, the plane is about to crash and you have like the guitar solos and it's like... And it's like... Boom! And then... Literally, it explodes into another cut of Tom Cruise scaling a mountain. Yep, so it cuts from, like, the snowy mountain to this desert mountain, and that's where the four minutes of Tom Cruise climbing the mountain comes in. Uh, a yeah, hell- <laughs> it is about, like, at least two and a half minutes of him doing that. Like, And it's just, like, him being like, yeah, look at this. I can do this. No problem. I'm going to jump mountain to mountain just because I can. This is, like, him at the height of his Scientology powers. <laughs> like, this is really where it came in. So, uh, but then a helicopter shoots, like, a rocket launcher into the mountain, but it's not a rocket launcher, it's sunglasses that talk to him, and, uh, the voice of Anthony Hopkins tells him that he's got a mission, he needs to choose two friends, and he needs to get this other girl that he may or may not have a, uh, uh, a past with, because she's a, an expert thief. Anthony Hopkins is like, and next time, Mr. Hunt, when you go on vacation, tell us. And so then Tom Cruise takes off the glasses, and like... If you knew where I was, it wasn't a vacation. And he yeah. throws the glasses, and then another explosion happens. And we go into the t- into the full title where it's just like these fuses and the Mission Impossible comes up, and it's produced by Tom Cruise. And directed by John Woo, who we will be definitely referring to the, yes. this whole review, because you, this has his fingerprints all over it. This is absolutely a John Woo movie. And if you don't know who John Woo is, he's made such classics as Mission Impossible 2, mm-hmm. Face Off. Uh, Nicholas Cage's Wind Talkers. Okay, which I didn't is a know that one. it's a horrible movie. I saw because I was my history teacher liked to put on movies. Okay, you, uh, you saw that in history class because it's about World War Two, which I'll, we can talk about that later. Okay. Anyways, okay. we get into that. <laughs> Tom Cruise goes to Spain where he tries to track down the girl that Anthony Hopkins wants him to collect. Yes. And they have, uh, and then she try, she's trying to steal, like, this necklace from this person. But wait, you, you buried the lead. The best part, this was a shock to me when we were watching it. This actress who's playing this woman is Maeve from Westworld. Oh, yeah, this is, like, Maeve from 20 years ago. Yeah, and honestly, she, I don't think she's really aged that much compared no, she, to her. Her and Tom Cruise have some, like, thing, man. The two of them, like, look really good <laughs> for... Tw- like 20 years ago because she was like probably like 27 when this movie came out and that means that she's like in her mid to late 40s now wow she looks great so anyways yeah she is this expert robber who's like starting to pick locks and stuff to get this rich man's wife's necklace or something but then she and then tom cruise shows up and he flirts with her a little bit and is like i don't know if you can do and he's like and then she's like oh i'm gonna do it and then she pops open the thing and takes the necklace and then Tom Cruise is like, I wouldn't close it if I were you. And she's like, why? And the alarm goes off after she closes it. Yes. And then the people come up. They're like, oh, what's going on? And then Tom Cruise is like, okay, it's fine, guys. And then we find out he's the head of security for the party. Mm-hmm. And he makes Maeve give back the necklace to the man. And she's all pissed off about Like, why did you do that? Like, I had all that. And he's like, I don't even know. He, can you give her a bigger score or something? Like, what? I don't know. There's no, there's no real reason why this was supposed to happen. But Maeve gets really mad and drives off. And then apparently she's been driving all night because it's morning in the next scene. Yes. And Tom Cruise pulls up behind her. Oh, and they're on car phones. They're not <laughs> oh, on yeah, cell phones. they're on car phones. She pulls out like this Motorola like brick of a phone and is like, hello. And then Tom Cruise is like, you want to go slower? And she's like, how did you get this number? I don't even know this number. And I'm like, but yeah. and, the, and then they have a weird like, car chase flirtation where they, like, bump into each other. And it's really reckless. Like, they could hurt a lot of people by doing this. Yeah, they're not by themselves. There are cars, like, squeezing going it's out trying to not hit them. Public road. And at some point, they finally crash and almost fall off the cliff. But Tom Cruise, like, makes sure Maeve doesn't fall off. And then they just start making out in the car that's about to tip off. Yeah, they didn't move over. and But it's okay. We fade to the next scene, so well, they're okay. I mean, like, if I was a driver going by and seeing these two reckless people, I definitely would have some words to say and yeah. be like, now you're making out after you crash? Like, damn, man. 
And Those are nice cars. Don't worry, suspension of disbelief. This is what movies are all about. Yes, this is what John Woo wants us to believe. Exactly. But then they uh, make, make out, they have, spend the night together, and then I guess they're in love at this point. Because Honestly. from here on out, we're supposed to just assume that they would do anything for each other. Yeah. So uh, then we go into Tom Cruise meeting Anthony Hopkins, who's like the head of security... Or, uh, MI6? I don't know, whatever least, they're whatever. part of. But yeah, they he meets up with Anthony Hopkins. They have this really long scene that basically amounts to Maeve has to, uh, Maeve used to date the bad guy, the guy who's uh, trying to get this disease. Right. And he, and so now she, instead of using her actual skills as a thief, she just needs to seduce him and get the information out of him. And Tom Cruise is in love with her now, so he's not happy yeah, about he's it. he's like, I don't know if she's capable of like lying and being all, you know jerky to this guy and then anthony hawkins is just like she's a woman she's been trained for this her whole life and i'm like damn yeah i was like wow that was really that's hardcore (laughs) jesus uh so anyways that happens and they tom cruise and uh, her name's tandy newton but like I feel like calling her Maeve. Yeah, I just like calling... I'm not going to remember Tammy. So... Uh, or, well, I will remember her actress's name, but I feel yeah. like Maeve has just been more Yeah, fun. so Tom Cruise and Maeve get into a little bit of an argument because he's like, this is what you're, This is what Anthony Hopkins wants you to do. And he, she's like, fine, I'll do it. And he's like mad about it. And then she realizes that he loves her because mm-hmm. he says that he's mad about it. I don't know. Anyways, Tom Cruise uh, collects... They decide, they finally go to Australia. Yes, and they, he collects his two like other guys to do it. One is... Uh, Vic Rames. Yeah, uh, Ving Rames from the uh, from the first movie. Yes. Who ends up sticking around throughout the whole series. Yes, and then discount Simon Pegg. Yes, he's uh, he's Australian, but he's got some like weird mixed accent. Can't tell where he's from. And but yeah, so this, the, the three of them and Maeve, and Maeve gets dropped off at uh, the bad guy's house. Yes, and but before that, they inject her with like a tracking device oh, yeah. in her ankle, and it's like literally in her ankle. Like, yeah, it you was see sort the of needle go super deep in. Yeah. So, anyways, Maeve is on this really nice, luxurious boat, and she has a scarf flailing in the ocean. And she walks, she gets onto the dock and walks up to the bad guy, and they're just like looking at each other intensely, like it's like a perfume commercial. And then the scarf flies off, and the bad guy just grabs it midair and like wraps Maeve around, brings her <laughs> in, and just starts kissing her. And I was like, wow. What? It's. <laughs> Also, you can barely see the scarf flying away. It just looks like he's trying to, like, grab her and choke her. Because <laughs> it's really hard to tell if the scarf is, like, flying away. <laughs> but, yeah, so that happens. Tom Cruise is mad about it. And maybe the bad guy have, like, a tender moment. Yes, they have a tender moment. He's just like, damn. Because he used to date Maeve. And it's just like, ooh, she's coming back. She had left him. And the bad guy's henchman is, like, so skeptical of it. And oh, yeah, this part. Yes. So then the next day... After, you know, they've uh, gotten jiggy with it, the bad guy goes up to the main bad guy. Do we have a so names for these guys? It's the the bad guy. I think his name is Sean. And then there's Henchman, like the, his right-hand man. Sean. Okay. So just Sean and Henchman, okay, I guess. Okay, so blonde Henchman. Main Henchman, I guess, because yeah. both of them are blonde. Uh, so Sean and the Henchman are, like, sitting out, and he's the Henchman. Is saying like, do you? How can we trust her? Like, blah blah. He's done all these things, and the bad guy just like ends up grabbing a cigar cutter, twisting the henchman's arm in the back, and then like threatens to like tip, cut off part of his finger. He's like, oh, what if I'm trying to use her to get something else? Like, what did I, what did you think about that? And then basically sort of saying that he doesn't think she's on the wrong side. Right? He's basically just like so obsessed with her that he's like doesn't see any wrong in her. Yes. Uh, and then he uh, says, how dare you doubt her like this? And the henchman's like, I'm sorry, I do doubt her, but it's just for your safety. Because, like, the henchman does care about this bad guy. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think they should be the ones who have gotten together. I would have been, you know, that should have been, like, an Austin Powers parody. <laughs> yes. But uh, basically, the, the, the thing that he comes to, the bad guy decides, he's not going to cut off his whole finger, just the tip of it. Mm-hmm. And just in this... Swift motion, just like, fine, everything's okay, but then just cuts him off right at the tip of his pinky. And so that happens, and the next day, they're at a racetrack where main henchman is watching, and he's got his finger all wrapped up, and it's all bloody. Yes. And the Maeve and uh, Sean are 
watching some horse races. And then that's where Sean leaves to go do something like, oh, he goes to go talk to an uh, Irish yeah. man about the disease. Yeah, he's going to talk to, because uh, he, he's got the disease, and the Irish man has the cure to the disease. Right. So as Sean's off doing the deal, Maeve gets a book that has a Bluetooth hearing device, and they just start talking with, she starts talking to Tom Cruise about the mission and everything, and he's like, I'm so worried about you, like, blah, blah, I love you, and they're, they're checking each other out through goggles. Yeah, like, like binoculars. Binoculars, uh, yes. And they're very <laughs> clearly looking at each other. Yeah. And it looks like Tom Cruise has it, like, upside down, too. Like, like, I know that's probably not how it is, but just how it looks. It's just like no one told Tom Cruise that he's holding them wrong, and they just shot the whole day like that. <laughs> and, yeah, so they're just talking, and Tom Cruise just tells her that he needs to grab the information right. uh, of where the antidote is, or the disease and the antidote are. Yes. Because that information is now in Sean's jacket pocket. And so now she gets to use her skills as a thief to prove herself. Yes, but the thing is, like, when they're watching that deal happen, like, he had, Sean puts all the stuff in his left pocket, and Tom Cruise is like, left pocket, confirm, Vance, and Vance is like, yes. yes, and then he's like, all right, Maeve, left pocket. You say it, like, four times. Yes. And so then she goes up to him, pickpockets all the information, and then he tells her to go, like, bet $1,000 on a horse, not realizing that she stole the information, and she goes down, and the henchman guy is just sussed about this. So he follows her. Uh, one of the Australian guy that Ethan picked for the heist or whatever, yeah. the mission, stops him. And this gives time for Tom Cruise and Maeve to talk. And it basically is just like Tom Cruise being like, hey, I love you. You're, too, you're in danger right now. And she's like, it's part of the mission or whatever. She's like, yeah, I can take care of myself. And she uh, makes sure that uh, Tom Cruise gets all the information that he needs. And then they get they make sure there's like a copy of it, and then he hands her back the envelope. He's like, put this back in his jacket pocket, and she's like, okay. And then she grabs the ticket from the thing, and the guy comes up, and the henchman comes up and says, right, did you get your ticket? And she's like, of course I did. And then she goes back to the race and sees Sean, and as their horse comes in, because now they've just won a bunch of money, mm -hmm. they're celebrating, and she slips the information back into his jacket. But it's the right pocket. It's not, not the, the left. left. And he notices. Sean notices. And then they get back home. And he's talking with henchman number one. And the and uh, he's like, so where's the information that uh, Irish businessman just gave you? And he's like, it's in my jacket. My right jacket <laughs> pocket. Letting us know that he does in fact know <laughs> what's going on. Yeah, so that's that. I th are we only halfway through? With the movie. Not, not even, man. So then Tom Cruise and his people look at the footage or like pictures that they have and understand what this disease is, and it's called Chimera. Chimera. Which is, you know, someone who read like a little bit about ancient mythology decided to make this movie. It's cool when they say it, but they figure out what it is and that it's a disease that will kill people like very violently in less than 48 hours. They, the guy should have just been like pissed off about the name and should have been like named it Comidia or like <laughs> Conaria. <laughs> Could you imagine like we have to just... We have... we, we've got Comidia. <laughs> uh, anyways, the uh, Irish businessman is in a limousine and he gets uh, gassed. Yes. And he thinks that at that point he's been gassed with the disease because after that he gets taken to a hospital. Right, and as this is going on, Maeve leaves the house that she's in with the bad guy and bumps into Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise is like, oh, I'm so glad you're happy, you're safe, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, get me out of here. And he's like, oh, oh, you know. And then they cut back to the Irishman uh, talking to the scientist. Oh, yeah, the scientist the who died at the very beginning of the movie. Yes. And uh, they're talking, and then the, the Irishman reveals that uh, the plan is uh, to make sure that one person has both the disease and the cure so that they can spread the disease and then they can sell the cure at a high price so that they can make lots and lots of money. Yeah, and then at one point, the guy, that's literally what he says. He's like, you knew what the game was, to make money. <laughs> yeah, it's like in this dramatic close-up and it's like, I'm in the business to make money. Like it's like in a kid's movie, Businessman. Who, like, clearly just doesn't love anything. Yes, so then they gas the Irishman again, and the scientist walks out, 
and we find out it's actually Tom Cruise in a mask. Whoa, Whoa. but wait a minute. Tom Cruise was just hugging Maeve on the cliffside. What does that mean? That means that actually Tom Cruise wasn't hugging Maeve, and Maeve just told all of, just confirmed to Sean in disguise as Tom Cruise that she's working with Tom Cruise. Oh, no. And now all of his crazy love is just turned to, to dust, and now he tells her as Tom Cruise, that he should that she should do whatever Sean says. Yes. And as he, like, rips off the mask, he's, like, crying a little, and the henchman comes down and is just like, I told you so, I didn't want to. Not in those words, but, like, you know, basically. This and movie would have been so much better if they were, like, into each other. Like, that, could, like that would have been great, honestly, if it was just an overt, like, relationship. <laughs> but it isn't, so this is what we've got. Um, yeah. And then from there... It's as you can tell, we're saying a lot of and thens because it none of it feels very together. Yeah, and honestly, at this point, when's the last time we've had an action scene to like oh, keep us entertained? A lot of it's just these dramatic camera movements and people talking quietly and saying, "Don't do this. I have to do this. All I right, do this." But yeah, so after he, they get the info from Irish businessman, they break into the corporation. Tom Cruise does. It's very. There are a bunch of clocks ticking all at once. Yes. If there was a drinking game. We, I think we both agree it would be like take a sip when you see a clock, take a chug when someone rips off his mask, and then like finish your drink if Chimera gets referenced. Yeah. Well, and a lot of these drinking game rules would work in like short spurts of time. Like the ticking clock mostly works for like when he's in this big tower where he's trying to get, get the disease and get the cure. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the mask ripping off, like happens throughout probably. Yeah, and then there's parts where the, the henchman is right. I would do drinking for that because there's, like, that section in the earlier part. Yeah. Yeah, so anyways, Tom Cruise gets into the building, trying to distract from this plot as much as possible. He gets in the building. He ends up going to the rest of the Chimera vials and destroys the majority of them except one. And as he's trying to destroy the last one, Sean and his bad guys come and shoot out the place. They have a very, like, over-the-top shootout where like Tom Cruise is like sliding on the ground two guns shooting at some point they end up in a in a standoff where the gun where the the gun with the disease is in the middle of the room and they're both looking at each other like they're going to shoot each other but then Sean brings out Maeve because both of them know that they're not going to kill her so right. she's the one who goes and she grabs the the disease gun and now she has she has the moment where she has to decide if she's going to give the disease to Tom Cruise or if she's going to go back to Sean and make sure that Tom Cruise can live but she chooses the third option. Oh, snap. She makes sure that she can live, at least live for a little bit longer, and everybody gets to survive, and she injects herself with the disease, thus making herself the carrier of the, uh, of the, of the disease. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm sure it made sense to her, and with that, Tom Cruise uses that as a distraction, and he's like, I'll save you, and then he runs out the building, and Sean comes and gets Maeve, he uses that. He uses her to make another vial of the disease. Yeah. And I guess at that point he's also gotten the cure for it. So there's two vials. I don't. I can't really tell what the plan is from here. Yeah. So then they end up basically. like Tom Cruise really wants to save Maeve, but he also realizes that the big deal is going down with the Irish guy oh, right. That's and Sean. So he's trying to have people as he's doing, trying to disrupt the whole plan or the deal. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get the other two guys to track down Maeve. Oh yeah, because Maeve could spread the disease to everybody in Australia. Right. If if it's if she's left unchecked, so he sends the two of them in their helicopter over there while he infiltrates the evil base to try and stop the deal from happening. Um, mm-hmm. And there's more action. We get the signature John Woo and white doves. Ah uh, yes. Well, it's mostly pigeons, but one white dove just somehow is around. And then they, he actually does a good joke where the dove kind of ruins Tom Cruise's cover. <laughs> but Tom Cruise fights off a bunch of the guys, uh, but hope seems lost when main henchman comes up and fights Tom Cruise and has taken him down. Yes. And then he, after, during the deal with the Irishman, the main henchman brings Tom Cruise into the room and has basically broken his jaw and brings him up to Sean. And Sean is like, I'm going to destroy you and fires like, 10 rounds into Tom Cruise's chest. Yes. And Tom Cruise is dead at this point. Or and, is he? And then Sean realizes that Tom Cruise's pinky is wrapped up in a bandage. And he's like, oh no. And then he rips off Tom Cruise's face. And then it's the henchman. He killed the love of his life. No. And then he realizes that the henchman uh, is actually Tom Cruise in a mask. 
And he's made off with the disease and the cure. When Sean lifts up the mask and he sees it's the henchman, I really wanted the song like, ooh, what you say? Because <laughs> <laughs> he seems super distraught about it. He really is. <laughs> but uh, after Tom Cruise gets the vials, he escapes. Uh, he gets on a motorbike yes. and uh, runs away. And it's a long chase that where he fights off all these uh, bad guys. The, his friends in the helicopter also fight off some bad guys. And then they fly off to try and find Maeve. And at some point, Tom Cruise is on a motorbike and Sean is on a motorbike. And it just comes down to the two of them. And they just charge at each other like a freaking jousting. And then and they jump, jump off their motorbikes and crash into each other and somehow fly horizontally <laughs> after they've crashed into each other. And they land on the beach and have a big epic fight. They you know fight almost to the death, but Tom Cruise can't quite kill Sean, because it's against his code, even though Tom Cruise has killed plenty of people yeah. in this film so far. And then as he leaves Sean unconscious, uh, Bing Rames and the Australian dude show up in their helicopter and they have Maeve. She's still alive. But barely. But barely. Tom Cruise grabs his jacket, pulls out the vial for the cure, but then he hears Sean laughing in the background. And he's like, you should have killed me, Ethan. Ha ha ha. And then Tom Cruise looks down and sees there's a gun in the sand. So, in, like, all slow motion, Tom Cruise throws the vial to Vames, kicks the gun up from the sand. Not how guns work. (laughs) Not how gravity works. And then he grabs it, goes on his side, shoots around into Sean on his side, and then Sean dies. Sean's dead. And then uh, they've cured Maeve. Yes. Anthony Hopkins is like, you were supposed to get us a sample of the disease, and yet somehow the vial you retrieved of the disease is gone. And Tom Cruise is like, whoops. Yeah, what can you do? What can you do? And so they agree to make sure Maeve's uh, record of being a criminal is expunged, and the two of them ride off into the sunset happily ever after until the next movie. Where they cut out Maeve entirely. With Ad Michelle Monaghan. Yes. Which is, she's still good. She's just, you know, yeah. it makes the whole love interest thing in this movie not mean anything. Yeah, no, so... Um... So that's Mission Impossible 2. It's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, what do you think of the plot just as a whole? Like, is it, does it seem like it's complicated? Does it seem like it's simple? Oh, or like... no, this is complicated as hell. I think this is like the longest time we've had to do to summarize a movie. Yeah. And that's just because it's all over the place. Like, there's it's so ju- much. It just is a lot of and thens. Like, if you ever, people out there have ever heard, you know, screenwriting notes or it's a big thing that actually the South Park guys talk about. Yeah. Is that you should never do and thens. It should always be because of or but. The only reason something random should happen is if it becomes an obstacle and it becomes more about the journey. Whereas if there's no but, then every action should lead to something else. But it never feels like the actions lead to something else. It's like, all right, we've done our thing. Now we need to do this other thing. And it does just feel like another way for John Woo to just do some cool action set pieces. But the thing is, like, I, I don't really think these are really great action set pieces. Like, they're no. pretty bland as, well, if we're talking about action. The, the action scenes that, like, are fine are just bland. And the ones that are fun are so over the top oh and, like, crazy. God, yeah. And it's like, the first Mission Impossible isn't actually stylized to be that over the top and crazy. So it's just a weird dichotomy between the two. Yeah. Which, again, is, pro- is probably more to do to, with the direction than the writing. Because what I think is interesting is that all the movies have been directed by different people. Mm-hmm. First one by Brian De Palma, who is Scarface, Scarface and uh, in The Untouchables, which is, he's a big crime movie guy. Yep. We've got John Woo, who is over-the-top action extraordinaire. Yes. Then we've got J.J. Abrams, who is, I mean, we've learned a lot more about him being more nostalgic, but yeah. he's, he's very much a very straightforward like TV kind of director, where it's like, all right, here are the shots that we need, and we're going to do it, and it'll be dramatic, and we'll get it done. And then you've got Brad Bird for oh, Ghost Protocol, which he's great. He, he knows how to make things be kind of big and fun, but not over the top and still mean something. And then for Five, which actually, Five and Six, this is the first time there's a returning director for the upcoming Mission Impossible, it's Christopher McQuarrie of The Usual Suspects. Okay. So he's a big believer in like the plot and the twist and kind of like the more mysterious aspects of a story. And so there's no, like, consistency to these movies, so it's not a big deal that these action scenes are huge. No, it's just, like, try something different except exploding a car yeah. and, like, having two guys jump at each other on a motorcycle. Because it's just ago. so crazy that it has to be made fun of. 
Yeah. Oh, it's so easy to make fun of it. Like, even the lines, like, when he's literally taking off his glasses and throwing at him, and he's like, ugh. Like, that's so, like, CSI Miami style. And and it's a style, and it's it's fine, but it's just weird. Because, like, he... John Woo's other movies are typically dramas mm-hmm. where they're like very, you know, gritty and hardcore, but then they've got these extreme elements that kind of elevate the uh, the drama to it, which works in certain cases because I've seen a few of like his earlier stuff and it's and they're good. Yeah. They're, but they're they're definitely still over the top. It's interesting because I feel like, you know, since after 2, like the franchise just gets like better and better. Mhm. Like, I, I've never seen the first one, but I got into the third one and then just watched every one since. Mm-hmm. And they're all good movies. And this is, like, by far the worst. Yes. Like, this is, like, you know, Roger Moore, James Bond bad. Mm-hmm. Where it's just so silly. And, like, they're trying so hard for it to be this bigger thing that it is. Because I think this was around the time when, like, chemical warfare was, like, a bigger deal. Okay. Where, you know, like, DNA splicing and all that fun jazz where people were learning about more about disease and it it makes sense why it was done for this time but like i don't know it's it's also just so ridiculous and over the top that there's these man-made contagions that kill everybody it's it's uh not the best but it was like fun to watch it just how over the top it is yeah because later on all the movies get more about like terrorism and kind of more of that stuff which is uh, understandable considering the climate that we went in after the year 2000. Yeah, very so, understandable. Uh, but do you want to try and again to surgery? See if we can see if we can save this uh, this uh, dying pigeon. Yeah, let's uh, this dying <laughs> uh, white dove. Yes. Let's let's go under. Let's see what we want to do and try and save it a little bit. All right. What are the first things you want to do to uh, to doctor this boy? Uh, I mean, in general, just like cut out a lot of the scenes that aren't necessary. Like I I don't think the Irishman scene where he. Tom Cruise finds out that, you know, there's a positive, like a cure to it mm-hmm. is really needed. There's a lot of fat to be trimmed, but if we're yeah. just talking story-wise. So the first time Tom Cruise sleeps with Maeve, he has this face like, oh, damn, I didn't wear protection. And I think, what if he accidentally <laughs> impregnates Maeve? Do you want to add a baby to the story? I think it makes more sense of why he's so head over heels for her. Like, he's like, oh, True. shit, there's a kid now. Like, I, And now if Anthony Hopkins is like, oh, she actually needs to go on the mission and do a lot of crazy mm-hmm. shit, he'll be like, oh, my God, no, I have well, a kid. And, blah, and blah, if blah. they at least showed more of a relationship between the two from before. Yeah. Because they, like, hint at it a little bit, like there could have been, but it's not that explicit if I, they had done anything before. I hadn't gotten the feeling that they had been, like, associated with each other before until like the first time when she's breaking into a place. Mm-hmm. But what, what do you think about that? Cause then it makes every decision that she does a little more like Tom Cruise is like, could be pissed about it. True. But it, I mean, if that for me, then it kind of feels like she's almost more of an object at that point where she's just the receptacle for his baby. Like that's why I would like well, there just... to be, I like there to be both. I would like there to be this relationship that they had before. Yeah. And then it finally culminates in this and then it's like, Oh, Sorry, I'm also pregnant with your child now. Yeah, like, and, if they're in love, I think it definitely makes it better. Like, yeah. they should be in love. And then when she injects herself... That's even more dramatic, is that she's, like, it was... It's either the two of us or the world. Yeah, like, she should be, like, realizing, like, this is the only way we can both make it out. And or even just, you know, she's just, like, save your son, and then he runs out of the building. Yeah. Something like that, because I think that would be good. Because it is, like... Ethan Hunt in this is literally just James Bond, you know, like, oh, I'm so seductive and sexy. Yes. And well, he's like the middle ground between Jan, uh, James Bond and Jason Bourne. Yeah, but the thing is, like, in the later movies, we like Ethan a lot more because we do know he has a family. Mm-hmm. And Ethan isn't, you know, Superman. He has, like, pro- he's not perfect. Like, they're in the fourth pro- in protocol when he's scaling the whole building and then he goes down and hits his head mm-hmm. it's just like oh he's not perfect or yeah. i can see in the in the trailers in this new one ethan like gets hit by a car as, as he's on a motorcycle it's like it, oh okay it's clearly hurt like, yeah oh yeah and they make you know he's hurting throughout the whole thing and and that's the thing with this one he's just so indestructible like that if he's gonna stay indestructible you have to make someone else more destructible which Makes sense if he's in love, if he's like actually in love, like re- realistically in love with Maeve, and if she, they like want to have a child together. Yeah, and it sort of makes like, you know, Maeve going undercover with 
the bad guy a mm-hmm. little more like, oh, I hate this so yeah. much. And like he has to watch it all and it's like, God. Well, so if she doesn't actually tell him that she's pregnant until afterwards, it, then it could be even worse where it's like, is it mine or is it his? And then <laughs> she could easily just be like, it doesn't matter if we work together or something like that. Well, no, I don't think, I, I don't know if they should do that because then the whole time, like, it's just a little... He could be pissed about it, you know? Yeah. I, I think okay. it should be more just, like, he could, like, later find out, like, say Sean is looking through her purse, like, no, she's with me, right? And then finds the pregnancy thing, and he's like, oh, my God, we're having a kid. And then she's like, totally, that's Yikes. what's happening. That could and, be fun. And then it gives a little more reason why the henchman is so, like, why do you trust her? And he's like, I'm having a kid with her. And then the henchman's like, what? No. No. <laughs> no, you're supposed to have kids with me. Yes. Uh... That's all right. I, I, my big thing is I want them to cut out that entire first bit on the plane. Okay. Because uh, the only reason for that, the only reason is to, to quote-unquote introduce the villain and to have this kind of reveal that Tom Cruise isn't actually the villain in the movie. Because mm-hmm. like he looks like he's the bad guy until they take off the mask and reveal someone else. And they explain everything that happened in that first scene in the Anthony Hopkins scene. So you don't need it. You could easily just like take that out, and the very first thing that you see is Tom Cruise doing his little rock climbing thing, which is kind of what everybody came to see anyways. Yeah. So I think you could just do start off that, start off with that, uh, and then in the Anthony Hopkins scene, just show, like, like uh, plain, like, security cam footage of, like, oh, wow, he, he took off his mask and pretended to be you. Because they already basically do that. You don't need the opening scene. It just kind of, it's fun, but it drags. Yeah, no, it's that's the thing where like there are so many unneeded scenes in it, and like we, what's so great about the scientist guy? Like nothing, nothing of note. No, there's like there's a couple action scenes. I mean, I don't want to take out any action because I was bored through, since car chase to when he's trying to steal the vials. Mm-hmm. It's all just like I mean, take out when they're going to the Kentucky Derby. Like you could you could have part of that, but you also. I think the best way to do that, to get rid of that, is to kind of cut out the entire uh, Brendan Gleeson Irish businessman character. Yeah. Because you, you just need kind of the, the facade of someone in business, and they could just easily be alone in a room where uh, they're, you know, later at the end is like, all right, we're waiting for the money, and then the money transfers over, and they're like, great, we're done. Yeah. Rather than having to, like, deal with that, and then you don't have to deal with the scene where Tom Cruise is dressed up as the doctor... Uh, and, and then we find out he has a cure, and then we find yeah. out, oh, it's not he's not the scientist, that's actually Tom Cruise, and then we're like, oh. And then the Tom other guy's Cruise actually, because we don't need that like cut between the two scenes, we just need each one, and we can kind of figure out already that the, uh, that the whole point of it is that they could have both the disease and the cure. Right. Like, I just assumed that that's what was going to happen the whole time. I didn't realize we needed a 10-minute scene dedicated to figuring that out yeah and it literally is like eight to ten minutes long it's a it's a long scene where like they give so much screen time to brendan gleason even though he's not important after that moment oh comic and it's so it drags on so hard that's the thing it just it's a little lackluster yeah no it's i mean it's, it's not bad it's just annoying yeah and it feels a lot longer than barely two hours like i it did feel like we were watching a three hour movie which apparently the original cut was longer than three hours so who knows what that could have been like? I can't even imagine. Maybe it makes more story sense at times, but it's I, probably just the Snyder cut version of. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, those are the things. Is just trim the fat and like give give more character. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like one specific thing that they do so well that I'm like, oh, expand upon this or expand upon that. I would have liked Maeve to have a little more character to her besides being like low key damsel in distress. Yeah. It's like, or she does do stuff more. Because, yeah, if we, if we did show their relationship from before, at least at some point, either in a flashback or just, like, a separate scene where they talk about what it was like to be together before, I think that would have been better just because, or even giving her something else to give her more personality because she is just the love interest at this point. She's not even a good thief because she puts yeah. the information in the wrong jacket pocket, which is such an easy thing to remember. And they made it so specific to, like, oh, copy, left pocket, right? Yeah, left pocket. Yeah. Made left pocket. Uh, but, yeah, so they either make her – also, you just make her a better spy. Uh, so what if 
we make her the main villain too, like the surprise. Oh, the surprise villain. twist villain. Uh, maybe it would really have to have been done well. Yeah, well, like say the deal's going on and they're looking for Maeve or whatever, and the whole thing gets like you know destroyed or whatever, and then they still can't find Maeve, and Maeve's like, oh, I was the the one conning all of you from the end, and then or, she's like, or instead of the businessman character, she could be the one who created the cure, and so that. So when she picks up the the gun instead of shooting herself with the uh, with the the thing, she yeah. just turns to Tom Cruise and is like, "Sorry," and just walks back to Sean and is like, uh, "I you know I hope I hope uh, you you have a good life and I'll take very good care of your son." Yeah. Or uh, she's just like, uh, "We don't the kid never existed," or mm-hmm. like, or just uh, something else. But yeah, that that could be good actually to give to make her the surprise villain so that we don't have to deal with another character. And it gives her more more of something. Because it is just so cluttered. Like, I can... I would say, you know, Tom Cruise's Ethan is fine. Um, well, yeah, Tom Cruise yeah. in these movies is always really good. Yeah. Like, no, he knows who Ethan is. Yeah. It, I wonder what... If he realized what movie he was in at what time, though. Because, like, at a certain point when you're watching, like, the film, or, like, even, you know, filming it, you're like, wow... It's a little over the top, John. And mm-hmm. John's like, "No, no, I got it, I got it. You're gonna look really cool jumping off this bike." Yeah, I think he, I think Tom Cruise himself wanted more action in the uh, in these movies. Yeah, and I think he realized how over the top they went with this one. So three is where they met in the middle, where it's half spy, half action. Like the Australian guy is literally just oh, the Australian discount Simon Pegg. He's not funny enough to be Simon Pegg, and he's not important enough to be Ving Rhames. So they just had him as an extra character really yeah he doesn't do much i think i do think i actually like the idea of the henchman either being in love with or just like being like the childhood best friend of uh sean okay just to give them more of a relationship and to explain that more just because it it seems so weird that like uh you know it's there's no stakes really in him cutting off the finger of his henchman if he's just a henchman right so if we see how much this guy cares about him and that he's still willing to do that because of uh, not trusting Maeve. That I think that's that would bring a lot more to it, and it would make it make everybody a little bit more human. I agree. No, I actually like when we were talking about that. I was like, man, that it does sound like fun in a parody, but they could have made it work here because mm-hmm. it it will give a lot more depth on why like this henchman is doing like the extra work to make sure she's okay and like he, yeah. Sean's okay. Again, some relationship beyond just you're my best henchman. Yeah. And, like, what's up with the third henchman, too? That dude's literally just there. Yeah, there's a few characters that are just around. I mean, when John Woo's original cut was three and a half hours long, I'm sure everyone had a lot more to do. Uh, Yeah, you're probably right. Because the things that we're complaining about probably were in that three and a half hour version. Like, what else would you put in it besides more action scenes? More character death. That's kind of what I'm thinking, but they're just... There was too much of everything, so they just had to cut it down to this two-hour version. I, I could not deal another hour and a half with this. Like, no. I don't... But if that's the case, I think they put the wrong parts in the movie then. But I guess you just need, like, the Irishman interrogation scene. Like, you need that in there because they talk about the cure, and that's how he, Tom Cruise finds out about like, it. But it lasts so long that it's just so... It's such an unnecessary scene for one piece of information. Yeah. And, like, I'm sure there's some way to figure out how to get around that. And I'm, again, not to complain, Robert Town probably had a really hard time figuring out how the script work mm-hmm. should work, but, like, there's there are definitely other ways of getting around Yeah, uh, Robert Town is uh, best known for uh, Chinatown. Yeah, he won the Oscar for it. Chinatown, because he was nominated for, like, three writing Oscars in a, ro- in a row. And he's just done, he did so many, like, classic movies that... It seems unfortunate that his last big movie is Mission Impossible 2, because he, I think he probably, he did the first one as well, and I think that was more in tune with what he wanted. He was going to, I think he wanted to do more of that style, where it's very spy heavy. Okay. And then John Woo shows up and is like, I want to direct this motorcycle chase. It's like, well, I didn't write a motorcycle chase into this. It's actually a confrontation and a a battle of wills. It's like, no, motorcycle chase. (laughs) No discussion. Motorcycle chase. Tom Cruise is like, yeah, yeah, yeah motorcycle chase. I like chase. the motorcycle chase. And uh, just, uh, can you write me scaling a mountain? That'd be great. But what does the scaling of the mountain have to do with anything, Rob? Ta Tom? Uh, that's just, I, I don't know. I'm gonna look badass. Do you have you seen my hair in the wind? <laughs> have you seen it? It's really long today. 
Uh, yeah, that's what it is. I mean, what other kind of things do you think you'd want to fix? Are there any other specific moments, really? Nothing I can think specifically or just overall. I mean, I would have loved to see Anthony Hopkins in this more. Like, that was another really, like, pleasant surprise. I was like, oh, my God, Anthony Hopkins is in this? Yeah, but, I mean, he's, like, the head of the agency. or like, the one giving them their mission. Yeah. So it makes sense that he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't get his hands dirty. No, I get it. Like, it, it makes sense. But it's, it's also very interesting that in every movie, the people who are, like, in charge of the agency that he works for, he doesn't trust them and they don't trust him. Like, every single time, even though they all work together, and they still try and make all these things happen. So it's just it's this weird sense of distrust in in your workplace. Yeah. I guess, what in the other movies do they do well that makes them so great compared to this? Uh, I mean, in especially in, like, four, 4 and 5, like... Tom Cruise, like, going hardcore on the stunts. Yeah. And not just, like, the, you know, the ones where it's, like, punching people and, like, jumping from things, but, like, in five where he has to hold his breath for that three-minute-long, like, unbroken shot of him in the, uh, in the tank mm-hmm. where he's just underwater the whole time. Uh, it's just the, it's the way that they, I, it's either in writing or in just Tom Cruise's contract where he's like, I got to do crazy stuff, that they at least plan these elements out that make it, that make it seemed amazing. That makes it a spectacle. Yeah. Whereas in this, it just seemed like uh, someone said, I want to do explosions and car chases instead of trying to do something that was really cool and new. Yeah, they couldn't really find the happy medium in that, and that's where they mm-hmm. find it in the next ones. I guess the stories in general a lot more like through. Mm-hmm. Like they they do make like, because of this, this happens. Yeah. And well, and also with the, with the other movies, especially with plot, it... It might, again, be because of the time that we live in, but they do a lot more uh, distrust of the government and a lot of terrorism plots, yeah. which do, which hits a lot closer to home, especially for these characters, it seems, mm-hmm. because they're, they, they're trying to do their best job and keep the, the entire world or the country safe or whatever, and they can't do their jobs because the people that they work for are getting in the way of doing that. And it seems like a good... A, uh, uh, it's a, it's a good conflict to have when it's, like, the internal uh, uh, disagreement. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I can't really think of anything else. Do you have anything you want to say on a, no. this grip doctoring part? Not really. I mean, if we're going to keep the, the plot the same, where it's like they're still trying to stop the disease from spreading, I think what we said is good, which I still think take out that first scene, and then, mm-hmm. like what you said, make Maeve more defined where she... Uh, where she has a little bit more to do with Tom Cruise. There could be a pregnancy subplot and then a possible uh, twist later on that she's actually the one uh, who's behind the cure Mm -hmm. or is at least in cahoots with uh, Sean from the beginning. Um, And then, yeah, just a lot more trimming of the fat. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Really cut down on certain things that are unnecessary. Uh, do we want to talk about a little more of the production side of this now? Yeah, there were, it sounds like there was a lot of fun stuff that happened on this production. Yeah, so I want to, do we want to talk about Sean first? Or uh, I, think Sean, I think Sean deserves the spotlight because he, the guy who played Sean, uh, which I'll look up his real name, uh, could have been the biggest actor in the world, yes. but this movie prevented him from being that. Uh, Doug Ray Scott. Doug Ray Scott. He... There were a lot of reshoots for this film, and he was originally cast as the first Wolverine. In the first X-Men movie that came out in 2000. And he couldn't do it because of reshoots of this movie. So so that's why at the very last minute, if you ever look up things about X-Men, they say that Hugh Jackman was picked at the, the very last second, like the day before filming or whatever, or like very close to filming, and then they started going with him. And it's because this guy, Doug Ray Scott was contractually obligated to stay in Mission Impossible, and he couldn't be the lead in X-Men. Yep. God, what a different world that would have been. Honestly, can anybody imagine a world where Hugh Jackman isn't, like, the big star that he is? Because I'm sure he would have been fine after that, like, at that point, but he was just an Australian Broadway singer at that point. Like, he was not the action star that we know today. No, it literally would be a whole different world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, no offense to, you know, this guy, but... I, I think we dodged a bullet based yes. on – I again, this guy was not given a lot to work with. No, he was given crazy villain. Yes. That's basically all that he had. And 
that sucks. But I don't. I couldn't see him doing a better job than Hugh Jackman as no. Wolverine. And just the fun part about why this movie went over was because you know John Woo wanted to do a lot more shooting, but production for this movie got pushed because Tom Cruise was in another movie called Eyes Wide Shut because Stanley Kubrick shot that movie for over a year straight. Oh my god! So basically, if it wasn't for Stanley Kubrick, Hugh Jackman wouldn't be Wolverine. Yeah, wow. That's, that's an actual, that's a true thing. So thanks, Stanley Kubrick, <laughs> for uh, for really uh, really pushing hard on that. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, one of the other fun things that I think about this movie is that Tom Cruise demanded that the knife, like there's a scene where the bad guy is about to stab him with a knife in the eye, yes. and Tom Cruise demanded that be a real knife. Yeah. Like, and it actually was a real knife that got, a fraction of an inch away from his eye. Like a centimeter away like from his eye. Crazy close. And that was all real. And that's, I think this this movie was probably part of the, fir- the first wave of Tom Cruise doing his own stunts. Yep. And the problem is when that scene happens, I was already so checked out of the action. I was like, wow, this is just really over the yeah. top. But I respect Tom Cruise for doing that. Yeah, he was trying. And I mean, it was, it was all right. I think another thing I think is cool is that this is... The highest grossing film in the entire franchise. Like, even include, like, and that's back in the dollars of 2000 compared to 2018, Mm -hmm. where Rogue Nation was like $20 million behind it. And if if you adjust for inflation, Mission Impossible 1 is number one, but by like barely anything. Mission Impossible 2 is still like like a very (laughs) high grossing movie, even in just today's dollars. That's crazy. Yes. The other movies have been so much like better too, and that's that's just amazing. I guess something I'm curious about is how you feel about the franchise as a whole, especially since Fallout comes out this week. I love this franchise. Like, it's never one that I'm always like thinking about. It's always like, oh, Mission Impossible, that's coming out, mm-hmm. and then I go see it, and I'm like, wow, that was really good. Mission Impossible is an underrated franchise, and yeah. like this is. Definitely the outlier. Like, I, I haven't seen the first one, but I've seen all the other ones, and, like, they're a fun time. No, they're really good. I mean, because it's based on a TV show. Like, it's based on yeah. the show from the 60s, Mission Impossible, and it uh, it kind of does feel like that, that each movie is its own episode, but, like, really high production value, really great episodes. Yeah. Like, they're, okay. they all have something to offer, and you have some of those, some returning characters and some that are, you know, fresh faces. And it's fun when you get to see them. Oh, that one was in this movie before. Oh, now it's a new person. And it's a little bit of fun seeing that the change happen. Yeah, especially because the other past two haven't had his wife in it, right? Uh, she, she was at the very end of Ghost Protocol. Okay. But just as a thing where Ving Rhames was like, you can see her, but you can never interact with her. So it's kind of like, you know, they can't get back together, but he can at least make sure that she's safe. Right. Uh, she wasn't in Rogue Nation but she is in the trailers for Fallout. Yes. So I'm excited to see what they do with her there. Yeah, this is the first movie with kind of a big sense of continuity between the movies. And it's, it feels like it's between all of them, because the bad guy from Rogue Nation is back, and the female lead from Rogue Nation is back. Simon Pegg's been in it since 3. Bing Rames is in it. I hope we can get the Australian guy back in this, man. That'd Maybe it turns out he's the main bad guy. <laughs> Working with Maeve. Whoa. Uh, but yeah, it seems like there's a connection to every movie for the new one except for two. Oops. But I would be excited to see one of those characters come back for I, for Fallout. I'd be I'd be pretty excited for that too, to be honest. Like that would be fun. That would be great. Yeah, that's 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 mostly what I got. Yeah, same here. I think I'm good. Good for this. So yeah, so this is not a great movie, but no. you know we we had we had an okay time. Yeah, uh, you know. Stuff to fix, obviously, but, you know, in the present, when I was watching it, I had a good time with just how over the top it was. But, uh, yeah, so we're good? I think we're all good. Uh, you know, you know what's, what's not an impossible mission is leaving a rating on iTunes and giving a nice review and a, and a comment and a, and a subscribe. Yes, please subscribe. Go like our Facebook page, our instagram it's all under just dr script if you could give us a like that would go a long way we are like the startup podcast so every little thing goes a very 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 long way uh thank you guys so much for listening make sure to check in next week bye see you guys